0: In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week it's my turn, and the next week it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead.
1: The case I have for you today has twists and turns galore. There's a lot. Of information to keep straight, but I'm going to do my best to present it as seamlessly as possible. With that being said, there are three things to know before we get into the story. One, it involves Virginia's infamous Route 29, where a number of young women have disappeared from since 1996. Two, there's not one but two possible serial killers tied to the story. And three, Recently, the online true crime community has been a buzz because of a major update. We're talking from this month, February 2021. Buckle up. This is the story of Alexis Murphy.
0: I am so ready.
1: It's Saturday, August 3rd, 2013. Alexis Tiara Murphy is a rising senior at Nelson County High School in Virginia. She plays volleyball and is actually set to become the team captain later on in the school year. That just goes to show how great of a player and, well, team player she is. But on this hot summer day, the 17-year-old wasn't worried about volleyball or being team captain or her huge Twitter following because let's just say she's been referred to as a media maven, which is such an old person way to say someone's popular on social media, but she had a really big following. And instead, she's preoccupied with her upcoming senior portrait. According to her mom, Alexis was the fashionista of the family. And in true fashionista fashion, (laughs) Alexis planned her look, outfit, makeup, hair, etc. ahead of the time.
0: Okay, this is so relatable. I feel like so many teens... Um, and teen women specifically would be so worried about like what that senior picture is going to look like. Absolutely. So I'm dying to know like what her look ended up looking like. Like, do we have a picture of her senior portrait or something like that? Like, I'm wondering like what she ended up going with. Like, even I'm thinking about this now.
1: Unfortunately, she never had the opportunity to take her senior portrait. And I don't know what she was planning on doing in terms of her outfit, makeup. But I do know that she had a very particular hairstyle that she wanted. And that hairstyle called for clip-in hair extensions.
0: And I'm feeling like this is, this is 2013. Right. So I'm feeling like, Yes, the heavier extensions. Guilty. You know, maybe a little bit of tease, but the tease was coming back down by 2013. But, like, you know, like a little bit of tease and just like lots of long
1: hair. Yeah, a lot of very big styles. With that being said, she had plans this Saturday, August 3rd, to go to a beauty store and purchase the hair extensions. Her mom, Laura Murphy, actually gave her money for the extensions as The mom was prepping for work because this is the afternoon. Her mom works night shift at the local post office. And she wanted to make sure that Alexis would make her perfect senior portrait look put together. So she gives her daughter the money, and Alexis drives off in her dad's white 2003 Nissan Maxima. And not knowing that it was going to be the last time either of them would ever speak to each other. Get more from your store with Safeway's Fresh Pass program and enjoy more services like unlimited free delivery and all your grocery needs. More exclusive perks like 5% off every day on your favorite organic or open nature items across the stores and more rewards that never expire. Get Safeway's Fresh Pass to enjoy exclusive perks, unlimited free delivery, and more. You can start your 30-day free trial today. Visit Safeway.com freshpass for program details. Service available in select areas. Safeway.com slash freshpass. Early the next morning, so now we're at Sunday, August 4th, 2013. Alexis's living grandmother calls Laura. Remember, she's working at the post office for the night shift. And the grandmother explains to her daughter, Laura, who's Alexis's mother, she says, I fell asleep early and just now woke up and noticed Alexis's room is untouched. From the day before. And the grandmother believes that Alexis didn't make her midnight curfew or come home at all.
0: So, Alexis's mom gives her the money for the extensions, which is so sweet. Right. Just like you said, her mom wants her to feel confident and just ready to leave that senior legacy. You know, a lot of times, in like a senior yearbook, it's the big picture, right? And seniors have like a special section. Um, a lot of a lot of things like that. So it's really sweet that she would want her to feel her best. So she gets this money and she heads to the beauty store. Did she actually ever make it to the beauty store? Unfortunately,
1: none of the reports explicitly say whether she made it to the beauty store in Lynchburg, which was approximately twenty minutes from her home. We know where she was headed because she tweeted "berg bound," as in. Lynchburg at the start of her shopping trip. However, it's really unclear whether or not she made it to the beauty store. So we don't know.
0: I just want to say here, real quick, as a reminder don't tweet or put on your IG stories. Yes. Where you are in real time if you can avoid it. Sometimes it's difficult and tempting if you're on vacation or whatever. It's exciting to, you know, share with friends and family. What you're up to, but you know, maybe, hey, here's some stuff from earlier today. Because if people know where you are, it sounds like she had a really big Twitter following, like you were saying. So maybe some of these people were strangers. And if strangers know that you're on your way to the berg and then want to find you, there's a lot of really creepy ways to find out where people are. Uh, just It's by, too easy. It's too easy. I'm not even going to get into the specifics of how to do it because I don't even know how. I just know that you can. So if you're saying you're burg bound, even if it's a 40-minute drive or a two-minute drive from where your house is, people know when you're going to be vulnerable. In this case, it was 20 minutes. In this case, it's 20 minutes, but they knew she would be vulnerable to them in the sense that they knew in real time they could get to where she was in real time when it's not her house, which seems interesting because you're like, okay, well, what's the difference if they know where you live? That's just different. You might not be alone. It's less predictable for them. They know you're alone. They know where you are at that specific moment. Right. So I, I don't think I need to overexplain that to these people that are listening. I think they know. But hey, we just have to say it.
1: Now we're back to Sunday, August 4th. Laura has just received one of the most terrifying phone calls a parent can get. Her daughter never came home. And it's really unlike Alexis to miss curfew, let alone not return home entirely. You know, she's a responsible teenager. And she's on good terms with everyone in her family. She doesn't have bad blood with her friends. This is out of character.
0: Well, by all means, she was running an errand, if you will. like. It wasn't some big event that, oh, maybe this went longer. Like, there's no question. Yeah, you know, shoot, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back, few moments in the store. She knew exactly what she wanted. She's running an errand. It's not some big, long, drawn-out thing.
1: Right. It's not a road trip.
0: Yeah. So regardless, here we are. She was running an errand and hasn't returned. So now her mom is aware. So what does her mom do next? Her mom frantically
1: makes calls, friends, family, acquaintances. Has anyone seen Alexis? And she gets a resounding no from everyone she questioned. Alexis's father at this point tells Laura that his Nissan Maxima was never returned. Remember, she had borrowed it. Mm -hmm. And this is also something that's unlike Alexis. And at this moment, the parents decide to contact the police.
0: I'd say it's an appropriate time to give the police a call by now. Really sounds like everything is super out of character for her just overall. It already feels it feels like one of those cases where there was no question that something was off like right
1: away. Exactly. And Nelson County Sheriff's office agreed. They wasted no time. They began investigating Alexis's disappearance immediately but they come up empty handed. The following day, Monday, August 5th, 2013, the FBI and Virginia State Police joined the search for Alexis. So now we have three departments, the FBI, the State Police, and the Sheriff's Department. And those three departments were able to get 50 plus officers in on the search for Alexis. And because they were all hands on deck, they were able to really spread out the resources and cover like every inch of the area that they were searching. And the area that they landed on was Livingston, Virginia. And this is because it was the last known location of Alexis's phone because it pinged off a cell tower in that area.
0: I mean, look, pings aren't perfect, but it's a great place to start. Exactly. And so... Based on this
1: knowledge, they extend their search area 30 miles north and 30 miles south of Lovingston. So they're really covering a large ground. They're looking at video footage. They're looking at surveillance, You know, just any surveillance camera footage that they can come into contact with. And while they're in this area, they specifically include two properties on Cannery Loop in Lovingston. Yet they still find nothing. So now we're on day three of Alexis's disappearance, Tuesday, August 6th. Police make a disturbing discovery. Alexis's car, the white 2003 Nissan Maxima that she borrowed from her dad, is abandoned in the parking lot of the Carmike 6 Theater which is an hour and 10 minutes from Lynchburg, remember, at the beauty store, or an additional 40 minutes from where the police searched for her phone in Lovingston.
0: Couple of thoughts. Okay. Number one, I feel like this really proves some of the imperfections of cell tower pings mm-hmm. because it's a general area, it's one cell tower, and it can be far from where you physically were when your phone pinged. Right. So now we have her an hour and 10 minutes from Lynchburg at a Carmike 6 theater where she wasn't expected to be that day. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know the South isn't always the most populous of areas. But I don't think a Carmike 6 theater that's an hour and 10 minutes from where she was supposed to be would have been the nearest one, even if she was going there. So now I'm posing the question how the hell did her car get to this random theater? <laughs> Pretty far from where she was supposed to expect it to have been.
1: The police were wondering the same thing. And that's why they checked nearby surveillance cameras.
0: And luckily,
1: this theater happened to be close to a mall that had plenty of angles of surveillance cameras. And this is where they saw a video of someone ditching the car at 10.30 p.m. on Sunday, August 4th. Now, remember, that's the night after Alexis went missing.
0: Right. I mean, and it's great news that they have some kind of footage to go off of. But when I'm hearing someone, I'm guessing, A, that's not Alexis. But B, I'm already nervous to ask, was this footage even good quality? I'm getting Jennifer Cassie vibes where you couldn't see the person. Fill me in.
1: Right. You would think it would be good footage. It is 2013 in this case, but it was late at night. And even though this is happening, like I said, in 2013, the video is almost unusable. Of course. It's grainy and black and white. And to this day, they've never been able to see who was driving the car and who got out of it. Now that they've found the car, they know that things are even more dire. How long does Alexis have? The community comes together to support the Murphy family. Hundreds of people brave a rainy night to attend a candlelight vigil in Alexis's honor. And even the FBI is getting in on pushing this story out into the media. They hold several press conferences detailing Alexis's disappearance. Her mother, Laura, even makes a passionate plea for the return of her daughter. She said, if you got her, just let her go. And she continued to say, it's hard. It's hard to sleep. It's hard to eat. It's just hard. In the following days, the police and the FBI continue conducting ground searches. I'm talking creek banks, sheds, backyards, houses, refrigerators, ditches, and medians along Route 29. They're also combing through surveillance footage from nearby stores. And that's when they see her. Alexis. Alexis. Surveillance footage shows Alexis at a Liberty gas station in Lovingston, Virginia around seven fifteen p m on Saturday, August third, which if you remember that's the day she went missing
0: so what's going on in the footage? Is she alone? How does she look? Is she in her dad's car at this gas station? I need to know all the things she's in her dad's
1: car and She appears happy. She's smiling as she enters a store to pay for gas, and she's wearing the same outfit her mother described to the police. It's a pink blouse, floral print, full-length leggings, and brown boots along with a gray purse. As she exits the gas station, this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but stay with me. An intimidating man with a daffy duck tattoo on his neck, who is later identified as forty-eight-year-old Randy Allen Taylor, holds the door open for Alexis. Investigators soon learned that this seemingly chance encounter may have been more calculated than it appeared. Interesting. There's a Crime Watch Daily video or documentary on Alexis's case. And in that video, they talked to the gas station employees that were working that day. And these individuals were somewhat familiar with Randy. And they went on to explain that they were familiar with Randy because he'd make them feel uncomfortable, but he would also just take his camo Suburban. It was a very distinct, unique vehicle, camo. And he'd park this Suburban back into a corner of the parking lot. And just sit there for hours, smoking a cigarette and watching people walk in and walk out of the gas station. But this isn't just a regular gas station. This was known as a place for people like Alexis's age to hang out after school, to hang out on the weekends. And so it makes you wonder is this man? sitting there, smoking his cigarette, watching for young girls? Is he just doing it to pass the time? Does he have more insidious motives? We don't know. And we probably shouldn't assume either.
0: Just because someone is creepy doesn't mean that they're automatically a kidnapper, a murderer, or have ever even committed a crime. They're just creepy. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely police investigate Randy Allen Taylor as one of the several people who appeared on the gas station surveillance. And they do this because they're doing their due diligence. They're following up with the people last known to be in her presence. Seems normal to me. Right. And wouldn't you know, he lives in a camper on a property off Cannery Loop. The same area they've been searching because... That was the last area that Alexis's phone pinged.
0: Oh, man. It's not looking good for Randy.
1: No. The police search his camper where they find Alexis's broken nail, her diamond stud earring, and a strand of her hair on his pillow.
0: Did he even clean up after she was there? My God. It's questionable.
1: Randy Allen Taylor is swiftly arrested for the kidnapping of Alexis. But of course he claims that he's innocent. Of
0: course he claims he's innocent. However, how does he presume he's going to explain away the fact that in his living space, they have found a piece of Alexis's hair, an earring, and that nail, which, uh, zero disrespect to Alexis, that's just creeping me out. Nails are so gross. I've seen photos of the nail. it's
1: It looks to be like a piece of an acrylic nail, okay that was like ripped. like it's a uh, a large piece of the nail
0: that would hurt it could so not bad too.
1: Yeah, it must have been painful. So after Randy Allen Taylor learns, all right, they found her DNA in my camper, he comes up with a story. And he describes Alexis visiting his house with a black man with long dreadlocks named Damon Bradley. Now, Randy Allen Taylor says that both Alexis and Damon went to the camper to sell Randy Allen Taylor some marijuana. And he says, look, I'm innocent. When she was in my camper, she was alive. And when they left, she was alive. So I don't know anything that could have happened to her, but when she was in his presence, that's his story. But they were able to poke holes in that lie quickly. Firstly, Damon Bradley had an alibi, he was in Alabama with his father at the time of Alexis's disappearance. And secondly, they know that her cell phone pinged very very close to his camper which they eventually found smashed amongst the grass and unkempt weeds all around the area they they found it within 70 feet of his camper and perhaps one of the most troubling reasons that they could prove that Randy Allen Taylor had something to do with it was that 30 minutes after Alexis's car was abandoned at that movie theater parking lot. He was seen in a nearby Applebee's drinking beer, and then he had to take a taxi home.
0: This puts him right smack dab, basically, at the random spot that her car was found. And I say random again because she wasn't even expected to be out that way. Correct. So now we've got her car in a spot where it wasn't expected to be, and we've got this guy really close to where it was, along with her hair and her nails and a smashed phone near his home. Like, come on. Now we know of three separate instances
1: and three separate locations that they've come into contact with one another. The gas station, he held the door open for her. The camper, her DNA is found inside. And three... He's drinking at an Applebee's 30 minutes after the car is dumped. It does not look good, but you know, he's still claiming I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Once reports get out about Randy Allen Taylor's story that he's selling to the police about Alexis being there to sell him drugs. Her family steps up and says, "Look, we're not painting her to be some type of angel." But That's just not Alexis's life. That's not the lifestyle she leads. And we truly don't believe that you're telling the truth. As the months roll on, the community continues to pay homage to Alexis's memory. Her volleyball team has a jamboree that they have annually, and they distribute pink bows in her honor because pink was her favorite color. And the community is still supporting her family on a weekly basis.
0: I love that her family was real. Like, yeah, she's no angel, but we don't believe your story for two seconds, bro. Right. So with that, I'm starting to wonder, what was next for Randy? What happened after basically nobody was believing anything he had to say?
1: Well, so at this point, he's indicted on kidnapping. And the police, the investigators, were able to get a warrant to further search his camper. And on this second search, they hit the jackpot. They find a false eyelash with Alexis's DNA. They find a strip of hair. And it, to me, appeared to be a clip-in extension. But I don't want to say that it is specifically a clip extension because nowhere in the resources does it say that, but it appeared to be one from the, the photo I saw. And then they also found the shirt that he was wearing in the surveillance photo of him holding the door open for Alexis. And on the back of that same exact shirt was her blood. At this point, he is now being indicted for first degree murder. Now we're in February 2014. The trial's on track to happen. But Randy Allen Taylor is up to his shenanigans. He's trying to get a venue changed. He's trying to suppress search warrants. He wants to remove the public and media from the courtroom. And it just sounds like everything he's doing is to stall or... It it just sounds like a guilty man grasping at straws to me. In May 2014, Randy Allen Taylor's murder trial starts. It starts with the jury selection. It was slated to last two weeks. And at this point, Randy Allen Taylor is indicted on a first-degree murder charge related to Alexis's disappearance. And it's really an unprecedented move on the prosecutor's part. because. It's only the second case in Virginia history to move forward with a murder charge without a body. And the prosecutor, Anthony Martin, is on tape actually as saying, we should not reward a person by not charging them with murder just because they are good at hiding a body.
0: That is so intense. Because, right, typically with a murder case, you're looking for a body a weapon or whatever caused the murder and placing the suspect at the scene of the crime and you've kind of got a a lock tight case of sorts right and then what really is moving me though is this prosecutor really seems to have a great state of mind to match with this case just believing that why should we reward the fact that somebody might be really good at hiding something. That's counterintuitive if you think about it, right? So it's very moving that this case had somebody who really carried those types of beliefs, I guess I'm trying to say as I trip over a bunch of words, but you get it.
1: No, I totally get it. And I really feel that not only the prosecutor, but the police and the investigators involved in this case put their heart out there and did the best work that they could do to find Alexis and to bring this man to face justice.
0: Well, and that brings me to my next question for you. What is happening on Randy's side of this?
1: Oh, girl, let me tell you. Slippery Randy Allen Taylor tried (laughs) everything he could to stall, to delay, to push back. His trial. He wanted to change the venue because he felt that Alexis's case had become too well known in the area. And, you know, that is partly true because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the story, she had a large Twitter following and her family utilized that. They reached out to her Twitter followers and they blasted her photo, her story any news they had about her disappearance it went out onto the onto the internet and as a result a lot of people knew about it
0: isn't that for a judge to decide like okay i'll sequester the jury or what have you right luckily the the judge
1: denied that request but that didn't stop brandy allen taylor he then followed that up by filing a motion to suppress search warrants but the judge wasn't having any of that he tried again when he appeared in trial at the pretrial court proceeding, and he filed a motion to remove the public and media from the courtroom. And the judge did see the benefit to that. So that was the one motion that was granted. And during this time, the investigators are still searching. They're looking on his property, which technically really wasn't his property. He. Struck a deal with a family friend in order to stay on the land where he parked his trailer, his camper. He made a deal that he would take care of the land. And that's the land that the investigators are, you know, ATVing, setting search dogs out, doing a grid search. But no additional evidence is found. And now we're in May 2014. The trial is right around the corner. They're selecting juries, and her grandmother went on to say that it was a good group of people, and definitely all walks of life were represented. And at that point, they were just hoping to see justice because they knew that things weren't looking good, that Alexis was most likely dead, and they knew that this was what they had to do to bring their daughter justice. On May eighth, 2014, Randy Allen Taylor is found guilty of murder in the commission of an abduction and an abduction with intent to defile. The jury recommended a life sentence on both accounts. And as we know from absorbing and listening and watching so much true crime, we know that you're proven innocent or guilty in one trial and then A few months later, a few weeks later, you're sentenced in another trial, which was scheduled for July. But before I get to July, I really want to mention that in June 2014, Alexis's parents were awarded or accepted on behalf of their daughter an honorary high school diploma. And the high school eventually dedicated a garden on campus to Alexis because this is how much of an impact this young girl had on the community. And they wanted to prove that she wouldn't be forgotten. And I, I thought that was a really touching tidbit I didn't want to leave out. It's now July, 2014, and Randy Allen Taylor is about to be sentenced to two life terms for the murder of Alexis Murphy. And in a last-ditch effort, He tries to get a shorter sentence. He has his attorney ask for a 20-year sentence in exchange for information leading to Alexis's body. Too little, too late. What the heck? Right. And that's exactly what the prosecution and her family said. They said her life is worth more than that. They would rather spend years searching for their daughter than have a monster like Randy Allen Taylor out on the streets.
0: And that is on not just caring about yourself, but caring for those around you. Absolutely. And the
1: judge agreed. He upheld the sentence and Randy Allen Taylor was locked up. I wish I could say that that was the end of this tragic story. But September 2014 rolled around, and there was a stunning turn of events. Just two months after Randy Allen Taylor's murder conviction, a suspected serial killer made local headlines. His name was Jesse Matthew. And Jesse Matthew was a person of interest in a number of cases of young women who disappeared along Route 29, which is the same route that Alexis drove when she disappeared. Jesse Matthew is eventually charged with the abduction of Morgan Harrington and Hannah Graham. And wouldn't you know, when his picture went out to all the news outlets, he was a large black man with dreadlocks much like the man that Randy Allen Taylor had described as being in close contact with Alexis the day of her disappearance. And now the family's freaking out. The investigators are freaking out. The prosecution's freaking out. Did they put the wrong man in jail? So they take Jesse Matthews' DNA and... Tested against all of the DNA evidence found in Alexis's case. Thank God they were able to exclude him because there was no match. And they went on to say that they strongly felt that he had nothing to do with Alexis' case whatsoever. With that being said, years pass. Randy Allen Taylor continues to rot in jail and Thankfully, Alexis's memory isn't forgotten. Hundreds of her classmates, her volleyball teammates, just the community members in general, continue to gather on the anniversary of her disappearance. And they continue to place flowers, signs, balloons at the gas station that she was last seen. On top of that, Alexis's family, the Murphys, They now annually award an Alexis Murphy scholarship to one or two Nelson County High School senior girls in honor of Alexis, which is a truly beautiful tribute to their daughter. Now we're in 2015. It's been two years since Alexis's disappearance and murder. Randy Allen Taylor is still serving his sentence, but he appeals his case to the Virginia Supreme Court, and he's denied. And then he argues that denial, but then again, he's denied.
0: So it's great and all that his appeals are being denied and that his denials of said appeals being denied are denied, but we still don't have Alexis's body, do we?
1: That was true until December 3rd, 2020 when Alexis Murphy was finally found. Her remains were found in Nelson County, Virginia. And it took about two months for the chief medical examiner to confirm the identity as Alexis. And so we really only found out February 5th of 2021. This is fresh news.
0: Typically, once you've find a body, you're able to tell a lot more about what happened. And that is something we haven't necessarily figured out yet is what happened to Alexis that day. How did she die?
1: We may never know as the public because law enforcement decided that they would keep some of that information close to the vest, at least so close to the release of this information. They want To afford the family some time to grieve this new information they've been given. Rightfully so. But they did acknowledge that they truly believe that this was not Randy Allen's first rodeo, and that's in quotes. They don't think Alexis was the first girl that he ever murdered. And that's what's truly terrifying.
0: Maybe this will eventually help link him to. Any other of his murder victims, if that is the case.
1: Yeah. Here's to hoping.
0: Here's to hoping.
1: And I want to end Alexis's story on a quote, the statement released by the Murphy family to the public after her remains were found. They read, our family is so grateful for the continued love, support, and prayers for Alexis and our family over the past seven years. While we have been grieving the loss of Alexis since 2013, we remained hopeful that she would be found alive and well. Alexis was the fashionista, athlete, and joker of our family. We were blessed to have loved her for 17 years, and her memory will continue to live on through us all. And that's the story of Alexis Murphy.
0: I almost said amen when you finished reading that quote. And I'm laughing at myself because that's just how moving it was. It really was. And it was a visceral reaction, at least as someone who was raised Catholic, to just immediately be like, amen. Like, that was a beautiful quote.
1: It's just further evidence of the amount of love Mm -hmm. people had for this young girl who was taken too soon by a
0: horrible, evil person. We will have to make sure to keep up with any of the updates as they are released. Because it sounds like there could be some more information very soon. Agreed. That's going to be it for this episode of The Murder Diaries. Until our next episode, you know where to find us. At The Murder Diaries Pod on Instagram. At The Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com. And The Murder Diaries Podcast dot com. And Natalie wants you to do something very important. You know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it again, like every week. Rate,
1: review, and subscribe. It helps us keep giving you the content you know and love. And until then, better safe than dead.
0: bye. Bye.